So I remember throwing away my birth control pills, marking it down on my calendar. It was Easter. And I was like, okay, Lord, it's rebirth. I'm done. I'm going to wait for you to bring me a husband. No dates, no nothing, no sex. I'm going to wait till I'm married. Like the whole thing. So I remember the first year I was like, Lord, it's been a whole year. No man, no dates, no sex. Like, it's been a year. And then the next year, it's like, okay, been two years. Like, come on now, it's been two years. Like, you're asking a lot. Anyways, four years before I met my husband. But it was good. I needed that time to, like, not be mad. I remember even being like, Lord, it's been three years. And I remember, like, feeling like God says, if you'll stop counting, I will do take care of everything. And then I met Bill, like, two months later. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is your chief storyteller host, Michelle Saunders Gutch, and welcome to my 102 or 102nd, I'd say, episode, Dwan's From Denny's to Diamond's God's Story. Now, friends, isn't that fabulous? I hope you're all doing well, friends, and you've enjoyed listening to my show that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them so they never feel alone in their struggles. You know me, you know I absolutely love sharing women's God stories, and I love introducing these phenomenal women, and friends, we have an incredible Phenomenal women today. And I am so excited to introduce her. Uh, her name is Dwan Bent Twyford from Colorado. And I was so blessed to meet her. And I can tell you, friend, she's a rock star, a rock star. And I was a guest on her top rated podcast, the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. And I will say, that God connections are the best connections for sure. Now, friends, I'm going to share a few words about Dawn, and then she can talk a little bit more, and you're going to hear a lot more from her. But she's a wife, mom, Mimi, author of three bestsellers, and is considered America's sought-after real estate investor. So think about it, friends. That's a privilege that she's here and an honor. And I mean... She's America sought after. She's one of the most sought after real estate investors. One of her best sellers was written with Steve Forbes, and I have utmost respect for him. She has split over 2,000 properties and has taught thousands of people to become financially free. What a calling. What a fierce calling this woman has in her life. And her motto, her motto, 
friends, excuse me, is people before prophets. This is why she's my kind of gal. People before prophets. And Dwan has also been featured on Fox and Friends, which is one of my favorite morning talk shows at Rocks. Naomi's Good Morning, MSNBC, Colorado and & Company, and many, many other TV, radio, and podcasts. So she is truly an inspiration. And I want to bring her to the mic now. So let's get to know her. Welcome to the show, Dewan. How are you? Hey, girl. It is so good to see you. Thank you for that great intro. Yeah, it's funny. After all these years, when I hear people talking about all the stuff I'm done. I still kind of look around. I'm like, who are, are they talking about me? <laughs> because that doesn't sound like that would have been my life. Yeah, that's what's so amazing. And, you know, I just would love for you to share anything else personally that you, you know, I know we're going to talk about your God story and that's quite personal. But is there anything else that you want to share that I haven't shared um, outside of, you know, what you'll be sharing? At with your God story. Like for instance, why don't you tell us a little bit about the rehabbing of a town that you and your husband are doing? I tell you, sometimes I I think that we lost our minds. (laughs) So I have been a real estate investor for like 33 years at this point. And my husband is from this really small town called Clinton, Iowa. So it's right on the river, like Illinois, Iowa, there's a bridge and there's this little town. So we both like to go back to all of our high school reunions. So every five years, you know, we go back to these reunions and, you know, we've been married 20 years. So we've been, you know, to four of them. And the last one, I was like, you know, this little town, it looks like time just forgot this town. It it looks the same every time, boarded up buildings, like there's nobody driving. But you could tell like it used to be like the place to go, but because it's downtown, like out here is where they put the Walmart and the Target and the casinos and the restaurants. So it's like this little town sort of abandoned. And the last time we went there, I said, you know, we need to find out what's happening. Are they doing like a rebeautification? Is there some little like redo the downtown? Is there something we could, you know, buy a couple buildings? (laughs) And so Bill and I, like people that don't know me, I am so over the top. So we call the city, we find out there's a thing called like the Downtown Partnership Alliance and it's opportunity zones and just all these things that fit our criteria. So we said, well, we're going to buy a building. And then that lady that we bought the building from told her friend who is like, I have three buildings and I've been widowed for a decade. My buildings are just sitting there. Would you buy my building? So we bought more and then another. Another lady called and said, I talked to so-and-so and you bought her buildings. Will you buy my buildings? So we own 20 buildings, 20 buildings in this little town. It's like three blocks by three blocks. And I was like, what have we done? Like we literally bought the town. We have to stop buying buildings. <laughs> oh my God. So we, it's the craziest thing, Michelle. I just, you know, it, it's funny because Bill and I were talking about it, you know, recently. I'm like, who just says the words, oh, yeah, I, like I bought a town. Like, who, who does that? I'm like, apparently we do. So we are working with the downtown people and the other building owners. And we're rehabbing these buildings. We're restoring all the buildings back to the original, like, 1920s, like, 
That's when they're bell. They're so beautiful. These buildings are so beautiful. And they're covered up with all this tacky stuff. So we're redoing the buildings. And then three of the buildings, we actually opened up retail business in our buildings. I was like, okay, I know nothing about retail. Why are we doing this? But the building, the whole downtown is just coming alive and investors are there. And they just yesterday had a grand opening on a big building. They spent $16 million remodeling this building. And it's right across the street from two of my buildings. And I'm just like, oh my God. It's like this whole town is like, so I'm rehabbing a town. Is that the craziest thing? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's so cool that you're using all of your success and everything that you've learned and you're doing with your husband. And you guys are trying to do great things, you know? I mean, that's, I bet that town and all those folks are jumping for joy that there are people that are investing in it, you know, and think enough of it to keep it going. And, you know, kind of like, you know, what Chip and Joanna Gaines did when they went in and, you know, did what they did. And what you see a lot on these HGTV shows, I mean, you see a lot of these kind of rehabbers or, you know, all these flippers. And I mean, I'm addicted to all that. I mean, I just... I think it's really cool. I love all of that. So, so we're we're working on this town, and um, you know, most of the people down there own one building. A lot of buildings are still vacant. So we just kept. I don't know. We just kept. You know, and the funny thing is, it was all God because we were buying one building, and then she told her friend, and she called us, and then she told her friend. So these weren't buildings that were on the market. There was no competition. These are just people like, hey, I heard about that. Will you? And next thing you know, it's like, how do we have this much stuff right now? And every single one was just referred by the next one. And I was like, all right, we bought a town. <laughs> There's a continuation of your God story. Oh, yeah. yeah. We put crosses on all of our buildings. And, you know, everyone knows we're Christians. And we have a weekly radio show we do in Iowa. And... Yeah, you know, I'm just like, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And I we felt like God was like, go for it. And we're like, it's a lot of buildings. But we're like, all right, we feel peace. We feel good. And the opportunities literally just fell into our lap. We're like, all right, we're doing it. So it is my biggest project to date. We have like a five-year limit like on getting everything done. Because some of those buildings have literally been boarded up for over a decade. Just boarded up. Roofs leaking, like all kinds of stuff. So... We're, <laughs> we're in this giant project. I'm like, oh, Lord, please bless that town. Iowa is kind of a happening place. And Des Moines, Iowa is one of the most happening cities. You know, I didn't know much about Iowa until I moved to the Midwest. And I started meeting people from Iowa, you know, because they migrate from Iowa to the Kansas City area. So, you know, I'm learning a whole lot. We drove through there. And I mean, I can't wait to hear more. All the riverfront towns, both directions, like 20, like 50 miles, both directions. Every single town has had like a redo, like a, you know, revitalization. And Clinton was like the last little town left. I'm like, listen, 50 miles either way. Like if you go this direction, the very next town is the guys from the TV show Pickers. You're kidding me. Yeah, the very next town, right on the water. So the pickers are there. 
And if you, either direction, like 50 miles either way, every little downtown has been redone except for Clinton. It's like, okay, we're in the dead middle of all the, all the excitement. We're jumping in. Well, that's so exciting. What a God story. So, you know, Dwan, you and I talked, I was on your show. We've had conversations and, you know, my heart for God's stories and for women and seeing them become all that God has wanted them to be and to heal and to move forward. And so we're going to talk about that with this God's story from Denny's to Diamonds. But I want to hear from you because you are a very successful podcaster and you've been out there and you hear all kinds of stories, I'm sure. But I'd like to hear from you why you think it's so important for women to share their God stories. Well, you know, I, I it is so important. It really is. And and when I started my real estate business, it was because during my divorce and separation and whatever, I actually went through foreclosure. I had my car repossessed, like the whole thing. And I just remember thinking like women just, I don't know, they sort of get thrown to the wolves. You know, they get married, they have kids, or maybe stay-at-home moms and then the dad leaves and then there's the mom and they're, you know, they just, they just don't get edified enough, I think. And so way back when that happened to me, I thought, I'm going to help other women. And so literally for 30 years, I've been helping people that are in foreclosure. And more often than not, even still today, it's almost always still a woman. And they're going through a divorce or a separation, like two incomes bought the house, one income leaves, this one can't afford it. And still today, like so many women are sitting there with two and three kids and they're working these like very low paying jobs. And... They were staying home and raising kids and, you know, doing like the thing that God wants you to do. And they just, I don't know, they they just end up in more trouble. Like today, I talked to two homeowners today, both women. And I was like, why is that? So I have, just like you, I have always just wanted to encourage women. Because I was like, okay, I literally got fired from Denny's on third shift, like at 3.45 in the morning. <laughs> I was like, who gets fired from Denny's? Like, really? And then next thing you know, I'm, you know, going through a divorce. And I've got a baby and my husband leaves and I lose my house and my car and like all this stuff. And I was like, how is this my life right now? Like, what happened that this happened to me? And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to put on the big girl pants. I'm going to figure it out. And after I lost my house, someone says, hey, you could help people in foreclosure and buy houses and become a real estate investor. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a really good thing. I'm going to do that. And so just like you, for 30 years, I've been helping women. I'm always like, always trying to help the women. Well, that's the. I think that's a calling that God has for you. And because you went through that and... You know, I know there's a lot more to your story. And so, you know, let's let's go back a little bit to when you first had a relationship with God. So let's let's hear about your faith journey too, if you don't mind. Kind no, of what no, no, no. I, I love talking about it because God's so good. I so I was raised in church. I got saved and baptized when I was 12. I was just like in love with God, like the whole thing, just ah, you know. And then when I got out of high school, I was raised in Ohio and my and I graduated high school in the 70s. So for all of you guys, yes, I am 64. 
I graduated high school in the 70s. But so in the 70s, it really, there weren't that many women yet going to college. And I lived in around Dayton, Ohio. So my upbringing was like, get out of high school, get a job at a factory, get married, have kids, work for the man, retire when you're 60. So I got out of high school and my first job out of high school was at a factory. And I remember after like two weeks being like, oh, it's June, it's so hot, there's no air conditioning, you have to stand all day, it's dirty. And I remember thinking like, why would my parents want this for me? This is a horrible existence. I don't want to work in a factory until I'm 60. I don't want to work in a factory right now and I'm 18. And so I just made the decision. I want to move away from Ohio and I don't like the cold weather and I moved to Florida. So that was how that happened. So I went to, and brazenly, I moved by myself. I didn't know anybody. I just didn't want to be in Ohio. So I don't even know where I got the guts to do that, but I did. And so in my 20s, so I turned 21 in 1980. And I, and lots of people were there. The 80s was a lot of drugs, a lot of cocaine, a lot of drinking, a lot of bar hopping, and I was all in. I worked at the nightclub, I was storing cocaine, I was partying, so I was a complete heathen my entire 20s. I don't even know if I even went to church, maybe for Easter or Christmas. But it's still always like, God was always there, you know, protecting me, because I, I put myself in a lot of dangerous situations and parties, and honestly, it's amazing I, I wasn't, I wasn't like date raped or just something terrible didn't happen to me because it was so insane. And so now I decide time to settle down. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a baby and I'm 30. So I get married. I have this baby. I'm like, oh, this is so great. I'm going to raise my daughter in church because kids should be raised in church. <laughs> so I, I didn't even think like I should go back. I thought I should raise her in church because I loved church. I loved church and vacation Bible studies. And I loved all the, I loved all the stuff. So I actually started going back to church thinking I should raise my daughter in church. And I actually went back for two full, which is so odd to me. I went back for two full years, just kind of sitting there like doing this for my daughter. I don't know, I must've been mad at God or something. And then just one day I was like, you know what is wrong with me? I need to like put God back in my heart and back in my life. And I don't need to raise Ayla in church. I need to go back. Like we both need to be raised up in church. So I got rededicated. They call it rededicated. So I got rededicated. And then I was like a crazy woman. So 30 years, <laughs> I've been going to church. I started volunteering at the church. I started working in the kids' ministry. I was just all over, like everywhere. I was just like, Jesus, 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 all over everything. And so it was like a really radical comeback. So I had like a decade where I was still believed, but a complete heathen. And as soon as I got back in church, I was like, wow. I have missed God. And what was I thinking being so nuts in my 20s? Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> so, but so I would have been like maybe 32-ish, 33 when I started, you know, back. And then I got rededicated. And then just like immediately, I started volunteering. I worked in the children's ministry. And I just, I started praying with my homeowners that are, you know, because, you know, all my people are in foreclosure and and just, for the record, I, I do help the men too, but it's just mostly women. And I started giving them Bibles and praying with them. And I was like, you know, I'm meeting people in distress. I was there. It really sucked. And I felt like God sort of gave me a ministry to 
to talk to these people that there's life after a divorce and a foreclosure and abandonment and all the stuff and for and my car repoed. Like there's life after all that. So I started off just sort of talking to my homeowners and helping them and encouraging them, you know, because I know what they were going through. And then I don't know, I started doing real estate and started doing workshops and started praying. I pray all my workshops and telling people if you need some prayer, come up and I give away free Bibles. <laughs> I'm just like, so now I'm just one of those over the top people. <laughs> it's a lot, really. There's so much happened in the last 30 years. It's a lot. Where did your husband come in? You know, it's interesting. So I had, Ayla was 13 when I got remarried. So I was a single mom for 13 years. And that's a long time, like a full decade. And I was sort of mad at men. You know, all men are losers. They can't trust men. You know, man's not a plan. Just, I was kind of mad at men, I think. And I don't know. When I started going back to church, um, I go to a, in Florida, it's a big church. It's called Calvary Chapel. It's so, Calvary Chapel is so great. I, I love Calvary Chapel so much. It changed my life. I mean, God did, but like through that church. And it's a big, they have like 25,000 people a weekend. And they have all these little breakout ministries. And one of them was a singles ministry. So on Friday night, the single people, like divorce people, would go and, you know, they have a smaller room of it. And we have, you know, like church. And so they were always talking about, you know, if you want God to bring you a husband or if you want God to bring you a wife, like if I want God to bring me a husband, I should act like a wife. They're like wives don't go out drinking and smoking and partying and sleeping around and that, that, that wives do these things. So it started with that. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's true. I probably shouldn't be dating and still, you know, not sleeping around, but, you know, having boyfriends and you know, doing this stuff. I thought, you know what? I should just like do all the things that the Bible says and just like be a godly woman and wait for a husband. And so she makes me cry talking about it. <laughs> and it happened. And God blessed and honored that. He did. So uh, it makes me cry to talk about my husband. I want you so, to feel like you can cry because I know, that I is so beautiful. I do. So I went to a singles retreat and they gave us a challenge. Like, if you really want that, they gave us this little book, like become celibate, wait for God to bring you a husband, don't date, don't do this. Just like this whole, this whole thing. So I was like, you know what? I'm making that commitment. So I remember throwing away my birth control pills, marking it down on my calendar. It was Easter. And I was like, okay, Lord, it's rebirth. I'm done. I'm going to wait for you to bring me a husband. No dates, no nothing, no sex. I'm going to wait till I'm married. Like the whole thing. So I remember the first year I was like, Lord, it's been a whole year. No man, no dates, no sex. Like it's been a year. And then the next year it's like, okay, been two years. Like, come on now. It's been two years. Like you're asking a lot here. Anyways, four years before I met my husband. But it was good. I needed that time to like not be mad. Yeah, he was trying to heal you through that, right? And get, yeah. And he had to prepare you for your husband. He was preparing you as well as preparing him. But man, we don't know that when we're going through that, do we? No. I mean, it's I hard. Remember, I remember even being like, Lord, it's been three years. And I remember like feeling like God says, if you'll stop counting, I will do take care of everything. And then I met Bill like two months later. 
<laughs> is that crazy? Oh, sorry, guys. I just, I get really emotional about it because like there was no doubt that that man was from God. That's so precious. And I do think people need to hear that because, I mean, that's the way I felt when I, you know, I, you know, you know, kind of my story and what happened. We're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. But I'm just saying that I understand that precious feeling that you're talking about when God answers. He lived in Colorado. I lived in Florida. So we dated long distance for 15 months. We waited till we were married for like all the stuff. And he had two kids and I had a daughter. So we had like merged his family together. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it the way you're supposed to do it. I'm going to re-virginize myself and we're going to do it. And I told Bill right up front, like, listen, this is the deal. So if you're not in all all this and you don't want to wait and you want this and this and this, like, I'm not your girl. But I knew right away. Like I knew within like minutes of meeting him. I was like, oh, I could feel. I was like, oh, this is the guy right here. It's so spiritual, isn't it? It really is. And he did too. We talked like the third time we talked, he says, I just want to let you know that I'm going to marry you. And I was like, I know, I feel that too. It was very intense and and it was really impactful for both of us. And he'd been single for a while too. And we just literally knew, like people say, oh, you know, but I mean, this was like the first time in my life I ever really knew. And so, but, you know, I had a daughter and he had two kids. And so I wanted time. I lived in Florida and he lived in Colorado. So we only saw each other probably once a month, maybe for, you know, a few days here and there. But we spent a lot of time on the phone, which forced us to really get to know each other, which was my typical path. It was more like, oh my God, you're so sexy. Let's jump in bed and we'll get to know each other later. And this was all like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of talking on the phone and just really getting to know each other like the way you're supposed to. And we did a little book together, which I don't remember the name of the book, but it was for couples that are Christian couples, like a premarital 16-week thing. We each bought a book and did this for like 16 weeks. Like we did all the stuff. I fasted with my friends. Like I was like, okay, this is Got to be it or I'm not diving in again. So I had my friends fast with me and like I did like every single thing you're supposed to do that time. So that was my third marriage. I was like, well, either three strikes and you're out or the third time's a charm. <laughs> so, the third time was a charm. Yes. And that you were totally sold out to your faith, that you were total. I mean, you're sold out. That's kind of where I had to be too. And we just had a 21 year anniversary. So it's been like 21 years. And I'm just like, and I still like think he's so cute and he's so sexy and we still get along. Everything's good. And we have kids and grandparents, grandkids. But yeah, I was like totally sold out. And I thought, you know what? I'm not making any exceptions. I'm not going to cave on anything. If someone's not fully in there with Jesus, I'm like all in on the whole thing. I'm not going to... Uh, what would the word be like? Make concessions because the Bible's really clear about dating and premarital sex and what a wife should be and what a husband should be and like all those things. I was like, this person has to be all in biblically, or this is not the person that God is sending for me. It's a distraction from Satan. And I knew enough to know the difference. 
And, you know, I put this meant four years, like literally in the singles group, praying and, and getting my heart ready and, you know, and getting my life ready. And then there we are 21 years later. And here you are telling me and sharing it. And I've seen a little bit of you two together on your uh, Facebook page. And you do bring him in and you do talk live. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I have him on my podcast once in a while. He's not a big podcaster, really. I don't even think he really understands what I do. <laughs> He's like, I love and support you. If you love it, you do it. But I'll talk to him. He's like, and I'll, about podcasting. And he has like this blank look. I'm like, you actually don't even know what I actually do. He's like, oh, I hear you talking to people. You're doing what you like. You talk, you interview, you know, you do, you share your story. Like, that's what you do. Well, that's what is so awesome about him is that he just lets you be you. And he loves you for you. And he has a heart for God, obviously serves God and you know, honors God. And he's, you know, you're a righteous woman. I am. I really am. I look back, it's like, I, can't, I came a long way from then until now. But, you know, I, I once I got back, I just knew it was right, you know, and I just always believed and I just really... I guess felt kind of bad for falling away for as long as I did, but it's like it's all right, you know. The Bible says if you raise your kids up in the Word, like you know, they'll come back. And my parents, I had praying parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that I think prayed for me all the time to you know get rid of my wicked ways. (laughs) And now I find myself doing that for my kids and my nieces and nephews. It's like, oh Lord, they're in the club. Let them do that. I'm like, now I'm that one that's like praying over everybody all the time. Well, those prayers matter. They matter and they need are needed. And I know that God used them and look at where you're at. And I'm so grateful. Oh my gosh, Don, you're telling me a God story. You're sharing your God story, but you've got several. We all have stories, you know, but I mean, I love it when we put God at the center of our story. And we honor him and we glorify him because he, we all are made in his image and he loves us. He pursues us. He knew us before we were in our mother's womb. I mean, that's just a phenomenal thing. And there is so much about God's blessing and his favor. And he really does want us to, when we have the right heart, for him, he really does want us to prosper and he wants us to, he wants to bless us. He wants to bless us and he wants to bless others through us. And that's what I think you have been doing from what you've shared. And I love, I I feel lucky in my real estate business and in my podcast and stuff, even the books I've written, because I always talk about God and, you know, like in my twenties, I got married once when I was like 21, 22, like, Literally, like a drug-induced drinking. Let's go get married. Very short-lived. And then I married, you know, the second guy who's the father of my daughter. But we also were partying and it was just all drugs. Just, you know, like you just do stuff. But then after all that, I thought, you know what? I have, when I started really thinking about another husband, I thought, you know, I've never prayed over the first ones. I just like, oh, God, let's get married. Like, yeah, this is so great, you know? And I thought, no, if I ever get married again, I'm going to do it exactly the way God says. He says he'll bless you. 
So I literally took that challenge. I went to the whole celibacy, went through the whole thing and waited and waited and waited and like waited. But it was so worth it because I can look back and see neither of the first two people were remotely from God. And not to say they couldn't have gotten saved and turned around, but not even like a smidge of that. That was just all Satan. And I look at Bill and it's like, wow, when you really do things and God blesses you and you recognize it and you take it like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do with this blessing you're giving me right now. And you do it right, whatever it is, your business, your marriage or anything, as long as God's hands on it, it'll be okay. It will be okay. That's why I tell my homeowners now, like, hey, listen, I, I promise you there's life after all this. And my single friends that are going through divorces and I've had two friends recently get divorced because their husbands got addicted to porn. And I'm like, I promise you there's a godly man out there that does not sit on his phone and watch porn. God has somebody for you. You just have to do it right and pray for it and ask for it. And God will bring you somebody. When you're in the waiting room and you are getting discouraged and, you know, there's those temptations to start to try to control and step into things and do things our way, right? I decided to help God. I joined a single, a Christian singles dating site. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe the guy's not here. I'm going to, I'm going to help God. <laughs> so I, there was a few times I tried to help God along. <laughs> so I joined a Christian singles site. I went to the singles thing at my church. I did a couple things like trying to, like, come on now, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm really opening myself up here, Lord, I'm helping. And I just finally got the message, like, I don't need your help. And if you'll stop counting and looking at the calendar, I promise you, I'll bring you the right person. Just stop helping me. So I really felt like God said, like, stop helping me. And then is when that's when I actually became submissive. Even though I, even though I had committed to this celibacy, no dating, I wasn't fully like submitted to it because I kept helping God along. I would go to like singles meetings and, you know, because in case the guy's there, not over here. <laughs> so, so I think if we just stop help, if we stop helping God, I think things in our lives will move along a lot faster. So I finally just said, okay, that's it. I'm seriously. I'm not going to help anymore. And then it was like, oh, then there you go. Then like literally two months later, I read about my husband. And I was not even thinking about it. I had, the thought was completely out of my head. I hadn't even given it a second thought. I said, Lord, if it's 20 years, I just 20 years. I don't care. I'm never doing anything. I'm just waiting. And so, so when I met him, I was like, I was kind of stunned because I saw him. I thought, oh, Lord, mercy, that guy's good looking. I said, no, I can't help God though. I'm like, I got to stay out of it. But within like minutes of talking, I could feel my spirit kind of jumping around. And I was like, oh my Lord, this is the guy. It's like, oh Lord, thank you. He's gorgeous. <laughs> I had a checklist like this. Like, do you have, yeah, I did you know, you're a Christian. <laughs> but I was like, are you a Christian? But like, how, what kind of Christian are you? Are you like a Jesus Christian? Are you like just a spiritual? Like, I had a list this long. I was like, if you get through the whole checklist, we can have a date. Well, what's interesting is my husband and I both had checklists. Right? And Bill didn't. He goes, I just figured God would bring me somebody someday. And I'm like, you were just like out there hanging out. It's like, I was the way waiting. it was supposed to be for him. Oh, no, I had a checklist. 
I, yeah. I kind of interviewed him. I was like, so are you a Christian? Yeah, like what kind of Christian? And I was like, check. And where do you have a house? And I wanted to have a house in Florida and in the mountains. I'm like, so you live in Colorado? Do you have a house in the mountains? I was like, check. Like, do you have kids? Because I didn't want to have any more kids. And I was like, I'm 40 now, you know? And I'm like, check. And I'm going down this in my mind. I'm like interviewing this checklist. And if there's any checks, I'm going to just pass. I get down the bottom of my list and I was like, shoot, I think this is the guy. <laughs> I, I don't think God minds a checklist. No, I think God uses, we all have to do things the way we think that is God honoring. But my first thing was, had to be a Christian, like a Jesus Bible believing Christian and not like brand new, got saved yesterday, like really in the faith because I was really in and I needed somebody that would be equally yoked with me. And I also want someone that'd be equally yoked with me in business. And he was a real estate investor, ironically, and he'd already closed over 800 deals. And at that point, I was at around 1,000. So like, I know the work it takes to be that person. And his kids were the same age as mine. And I was like, okay, very equally yoked all up this whole scale here. So like, all right, let's see what God's got going on for us. And here we are. Here you are. (laughs) And here is (laughs) Dawn sharing that God story and the Denny's to diamonds. And you have talked to bits and pieces of your story. And how long do you think it took you to really be able to get mentally strong from the time that you were kind of in that place of beaten, being completely beaten down? So when I initially, my husband and I split up, he actually, and I never really tell this part of my story very much because I actually never get to talk about like what you and I just talked about. That's why I think I cry because it's like, I never really talk about it that much. Um, but my ex had been selling drugs sort of behind my back and he had this whole group of people. He actually got busted with 40 kilos of cocaine. And I was like, are you kidding me? 40 kilos of cocaine is like the mafia. Like what? You put me and Ayla in so much danger. Like whose drugs are missing? Whose money is missing? Who's going to come and kill us? Like it was the craziest thing. I mean, it was it was like, you know, like my mind went like straight to the Godfather. I was like, oh my God, like we're in so much danger. What's happening right now? And so I think I was mad and I was also scared. And I just like immediately went into, I've got to work. I've got to protect this child. I've got to distance myself from this man. Like I have got to like have a full separation of every tie and every friend and just like chop that rope off. And and so I think I got mentally strong immediately because I was so thrown to the wolves. And I was in like the survival mode. I, and you understand survival mode. I was in full survival mode. And I don't really know how long I was in that, but somewhere in between him getting going to jail and the survival mode and going back to church and softening my heart towards people, I don't know exactly where the clock ticked over because I was in the survival, angry, mad men in the world, and then I was taking care of this kid, and so... And then somewhere along the way, probably after I started going back to church, I don't have like an actual timeline because I was just, I had to step up so fast. Like the minute I realized about the drugs and the money and the stuff, I was like, okay, we're in serious danger here. 
and I have to protect this child and myself. And so I was immediately just like, boom, I was in it. So I don't know. I don't, I've never really thought about where it went from survival mode to just being mentally strong again. I don't know. I don't, I actually don't have an answer for that. Well, it could be when you became recommitted, you know, when you were at that place said surrender, dependency on God. You know what I'm saying? I think then there's something to be said to that, you know, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you were submitting, you were in a, you know, a place of where you're like, okay, God, I, I, I can't do this. I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to carry me. I need you in my life to be able to stay strong. And that's what faith is. That's, that probably would have been about three years in. That's when I started going back to church. And when I started going back to church, I started remembering all the things I've learned in my life and all the people that have prayed for me and my family. And like, you know what? God will help me navigate my path. So probably three or four years in, I, I stopped being mad and being more grateful. And I was really grateful when I look back, I was like so grateful that that this person was taken out of my life, even though it was very sudden. At the time, it did not seem like a blessing at all. It was a blessing in disguise because of the surrounding people and the things that were happening were so dark. And I was I was probably in danger all the time and didn't realize it because, you know, I wasn't praying and doing God things. I was just still very much in the world. So it was definitely a blessing in disguise for sure. So I'd say probably three or four years then I started to recognize that it was a blessing. I just didn't see it at the moment. And then, but with Bill, it was a whole decade before I was like, this is me and God and Ayla. Like, that's it. It's just us. And it was a long time before I was willing, I guess, to trust. I trusted in God before I was able to trust a man. Because it was very devastating for me at that moment. It was like, boom, like this guy was in jail, like all this stuff, like my whole rug was pulled out from underneath me. And I spent six months just thinking like, what just happened? How am I so blind? I guess like people when your husband has an affair or something, like how am I so blind to all this? Like, how did I not see any of this? What was I thinking? (laughs) Well, the blessing that came out of it is that God... I mean, he came through in his way to you and brought you to your ministry, your calling to where you are now blessing others. And so I would love to keep talking with you. And I know we're going to be able to do this, but we're going to have to wrap <laughs> this up. And I know, so, I love talking to you. Thank you for letting oh, me share my story. Oh, sorry, I started oh, crying on you guys. Oh, I no, am so sorry. We love it. We, I mean, I don't love you crying, but I'm just saying it It tells me that you're, you know, that God is in our heart is sensitive in that area. And that, you know, it, it it's like, your appreciation, you know, for what your husband and everything and what God is doing and that blessing in your life is, you know, so cool. I would love you to share just a few words, Don, any inspirational words that you are on your heart, you know, anything on your heart to a, a struggling woman who 
maybe at her breaking point, a single mom, you know, who is, you know, really desperate, any of the desperate situations that are out there. Um, I would love for you to share any inspiration before we actually close with, you know, how you can be reached and all that. So anything that you want to share that that way? I do. I do. So when I end my podcast and I prayed about this, one of the reasons I didn't start my podcast right when I thought about it, because I really wanted to have this great sign off. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. I was like, Lord, like give me. And then six months. And then I, I felt God put impress upon my heart. Just tell people the truth is in the red letters. And the minute I, I felt it, I wrote it down. And so even with you on the podcast, the last thing I say to people is remember that the truth is in the red letters. And so the minute I got that, it's like, okay, I've got to sign off. I'm ready to go. Um, but I always tell people like, if you're, if you are trying to get back to God or you're finding God or you don't know where to start, people always say, read the gospels, read this, read that. And I'm like, you know what? Get a Bible that has red letters and just read the things that Jesus said. Just start there. Read all the stuff in the red letters, every single word, and you'll get a feel for who Jesus is and what he wants for us and what he wants for you and what he wants for everybody. And then from there, like, God will lead you the rest of the way. So I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know what? Just open up that Bible and, and read the words of Jesus. It'll change your life. I agree with you. And this show called The Chosen that depicts Jesus's life and some of the other movies that are so powerful about Jesus. But there is something, there is just something that resonates with you when you hear what he shares. I have my Bible on my desk all the time. Look how big up my poor Bible is. And I, I tell people, I'm like, get a, get a Bible. Don't read on your phone. Get a real Bible. Hold it in your hands. Feel it. Read it. Read all the red letters. Read all the words. Think about it. Pray about it. And God will direct the rest of your path. So friends, that's a wrap. You've heard her. She's a phenomenal woman. Get out there and share real quick how others can reach you, Dwan, and you know your podcast and those details. It's so easy. Just Dwan Durfall. So D-W-A-N. D-E-R-F-U-L, Dwanderful.com. And I'm everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Just type in Dwanderful and like a thousand pages about me will come up. Okay. Well, thank you again, my friend. I will be looking forward to meeting you in person. And I can't wait to share this podcast show and episode. That was a God appointment you and I have. That was a God appointment right there. I know. At Friends, this is, this is a God appointment. I've been praying and praying. So I love this. And friends, uh, I know you're going to be blessed. Uh, so do share this podcast with others. Reach out to Dwan. Check out her. She's a great woman of God. But not only that, she's a savvy businesswoman. And she has all these bits and pieces of understanding of real estate investments. And she's got God's stories, friends. And she's very inspirational. So Friends, I'm going to wrap this up and thank you again, Dwan. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed.
Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 